Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Homeschoolers tend to be understandably choosy about the books they bring into their homes, so it's my joy to have back on the program today a faithful and very talented Catholic mystery writer with a new book your children are sure to love. Attorney and homeschooling dad Anthony Kolenk is here to tell us about the latest Harwood mystery. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik. Today we're talking with Anthony Kolink about his latest Harwood mystery novel. So much fun. These are so good adults. You're going to love them too. Anthony Barone Kolink is the author of The Harwood Mysteries, an inspirational medieval fiction series for youth that has won eight major book awards. He's also the host of the youth-related radio show and podcast, The Shepherd's Pie. He's a retired Air Force officer and he currently teaches at Ave Maria School of Law. Anthony is also a columnist for Practical Homeschooling magazine. He and his family live in Jacksonville, Florida, and I have permission to call him Tony today. <laughs> you can all find him at anthonycolink.com. I have a few other links, too, that we'll talk about in the show notes. Welcome to the program, Tony. It's so good to see you again. Thank you for having me, Lisa. It's always a pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah, we always have fun. We've known each other a long time from the Catholic <laughs> Writers Guild, and you've just served so faithfully in that organization. I really appreciate you. But you've also been really hard at work the last several years, and you have found something that very few Catholic fiction writers ever really successfully cultivate, and that's a great relationship with your publisher, Loyola Press. Would you mind just starting us off? We want to praise the good work that they're doing. I, I, I do. I love Loyola Press. They they took me on, um, you know, and and uh, hired some great editors to help make uh, a good series. I think a, a much better series. Uh, the uh, the artwork. I mean, I'll show you some of the pictures of the the books as we go along. But the artwork on the covers, uh, from you know the the typesetting to the marketing, uh, they've really been wonderful to work with. And uh, you know, we've signed on. 
uh, actually, book five is already uh, at Loyola being edited, and I, I think we're about to sign on for book six. So I'm just really thrilled that they've been kind of making my Harwood Mysteries dream come true. Oh, that makes me so happy. That's just delightful. Um, really want to encourage everybody to check out these Harwood Mysteries and do shop Loyola Press. And, and if you can, shop them directly. <laughs> Um, anyway, so so tell us about this wonderful emerging series. We've got book four in your hands. We're going to talk about that today. I've read some of these books and really loved them. They really truly are page turners, but they're so encouraging. There's just something so light and beautiful and Catholic about them. It's too many beginning authors kind of try to force an agenda and get preachy and they lose that beauty of storytelling, but yours have not. So just step us into the series and some of the overarching themes and elements of the Harwood sure. mysteries. Sure, sure. It's uh, 12th century England. And uh, my main character, Zan, is uh, at a Benedictine Abbey where he's been orphaned because bandits attacked his manor. And so we kind of get the setting of, you know, the feudal system, we see, you know, my, my character is just a, a serf, a peasant boy who basically loses his family. And now he's living with the monks at the abbey. And there's a nearby nunnery uh, where the nuns live and where his little friend uh, Lucy lives. And they're both around 11 years old at the start of the series. And Shadow in the Dark is the first a book in that series. So that kind of, I'm showing you the cover now, but that sort of shows you, you know, in that series, in that book, you know, we introduce the characters and um, we, you know, they have to solve a mystery related to this kind of you know, angel of death figure that seems to be roaming around the Abbey grounds at night. Um, but at the, at the same time, we're kind of doing a lot of historical uh, world building on what was going on in 12th century England at the time. Um, and then the story kind of progresses uh you know, several months further in the haunted cathedral where Zan and Lucy wind up traveling to Lincoln uh, and they have to solve this mystery of, you know, is there a ghost of a little girl that's haunting the cathedral there? And um, that's where I introduce my other main girl character, Christina, who takes the full spotlight in book four. Um, I'll talk about in a second. And then in book three, we go back to Harwood Abbey in the Fire of Eden and Zan and Lucy wind up uh, going to this priory where there's a jewel that's stolen. And so book three is sort of like a jewel uh, theft, you know, whodunit. Uh, and one of the characters, that this uh, kind of magician that on the cover of the book looks like a Gandalf a little bit from The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, he's, he's kind of one of the sinister characters sitting out there. And then book four takes us uh, back to Lincoln. Um, and that's the Merchant's Curse, and that's the one I'm showing you right now for for those who are uh, watching this. Uh, you can see on the cover there, there's a, a witchy woman who uh, sort of is the one who uh, may or may not have cursed uh, the uncle to Zan's business partner. And Zan and Christina, you can see their little heads up here on the cover. Uh, they <laughs> are, uh, like I said, Christina is the main character. And so Zan and Christina are basically trying to figure out, you know, what is going on? Is this a real witch? Did she really curse the this guy, he's dying. How can we save his life? And uh, and there's also kind of a really interesting historical issue going on in, in book four, because this is set in the time of King Henry II, who really starts the Plantagenet dynasty that goes on for hundreds of years. But this is the very end of his reign. And there's all these, uh, he has all these sons who have been rebellious 
And there's this whole um, subplot about whether, you know, Zan gets dragged into this situation where he's being treated as a traitor to the king. So as he's trying to solve this mystery of the, the witch's curse, he also is avoiding the sheriff's men who think that, you know, he might be a traitor. Uh, and so there's there's lots of fun things going on in the series, but especially book four, I think, is my my new favorite in the series. It's always good to love the the latest. It's it's neat as a writer to just see your own evolution where God is calling you it, to tell his story in such creative and beautiful ways. Tell us just a little bit more about what's special to you about the merchant's curse. Where what was your inspiration? Just tell us tell us what you're excited about. Sure. Yeah, you know what what I've tried to do with the whole series is, you know, I wrote it to kind of have a Harry Potter kind of a vibe. Um, but it, it's not fantasy, it's historical fiction. But because there's always this potentially supernatural element in the in the books, um, you know, it, it kind of feels like it reads for kids, you know, teenagers, really 10 and up, high school, uh, middle school. Uh, it really reads more like that kind of a, you know, um, a fantasy book. But in fact, what the kids are seeing is they're getting this history and, and they're getting good, good family values and, and uh, religious themes. It's a coming of age series really about what does God want, you know, me to do my life, you know, whether it's Zan, Lucy or Christina. Um, and then each book takes its own theme. So like book one was about suffering and, and death and, um, you know, why do bad things happen to good people, that kind of thing. Book two is about forgiveness. Book three is about pride. So book four is about vanity. And one of the reasons it's my favorite book in the series so far um, is that it focuses on the um, the book of Ecclesiastes is where I drew all of the wisdom that I put into this book. Essentially, uh, Zan is studying the book of Ecclesiastes and he's seeking wisdom. And as you know, I'm sure having read Ecclesiastes, this is the book where King Solomon, or not really King Solomon, but kind of King Solomon is is talking about um, you know, how all the things in this world are chasing after wind if you're just seeking them for themselves, including wisdom. And so Zan thinks, you know, like, I want to be the wisest, you know, kid out there, solve all these cool mysteries. And he has to kind of learn that, you know, uh, even that is is a vanity when when sought after for its own uh, sake. And uh, and I really liked the book of Ecclesiastes. So, you know, I, I had seen a movie once where they'd sort of taken uh, themes from Ecclesiastes and put it into this movie. It was a Christian, um, actually, I think it was a romance country movie or something, but I just thought that's so beautiful. You know, I'd love to do that with one of my Harwood Mysteries books. So that's sort of what I've done in the background of, you know, checking out witches and running from the king's men. You kind of have this, you know, theme that's coming out in the dialogue, in, you know, what he's reading and some of the, um, you know, just some of the narrative and really, it's the book of Ecclesiastes and all the wisdom in that book is sort of worked through the pages of the novel. So in some ways, that's probably one of the reasons I, I like it is uh, kind of naturally presents what I think is a really important lesson for us, you know, to focus on the life to come and not to get so wrapped up in the vanities of this world. Yes. And I'd just like to say, Tony, for all the parents listening and grandparents, too, that these books uphold the beliefs and the values of our Catholic faith, that you need not worry that the dark themes, which we find in the Chronicles of Narnia and The Hobbit and all these great works of literature for children, which are so often en enjoyed as these are by adults, that it is 
the acknowledgement of darkness in the world and this childlike wonder and discovery of faith that is at the forefront. So you needn't worry that these books are too dark for your children. They're really not. They're lovely. Yeah, and I, I really appreciate you saying that. And I, I will say they all have the Catholic Writers Guild seal of approval. Um, they're also all um, accepted by CatholicTeenBooks.com, which if you're uh, you know, uh, listeners don't know about that website, they should check it out because there's a lot of great authors writing for teens, uh, CatholicTeenBooks.com. They don't take anything if it's against the faith and that for sure. Uh, but, you know, I was doing a, a, um, a, a talk to some uh, teachers at Catholic schools and a Catholic school principal, when they heard me talk about the Merchant's Curse, asked, so is this a book about witchcraft or what, what's going on? And I, and I had to explain, I'm glad you brought it up because I think it's worth explaining that although there's there's like this potential supernatural element in all these books, the reality is um, the books are very much grounded in this is like historical real world people just encountering things that appear to be uh, of supernatural origin sometimes. The, the only real supernaturalness they're going to find in these books are the power of God. Um, but each of the books, because they deal with kind of a different thing. I, I like to have conversations. So like in book two, which was like this haunted cathedral, you know, Zan, the main character, talks to Brother Andrew about, well, well it, you don't say anything about ghosts, but you believe in saints. And aren't saints supposed to be dead people that, you know, we, you know, are in the communion with? And like, and so you have that kind of discussion. Book four's discussion is is kind of a little bit about, well, witches what does this deal with witches and i actually um have the, the priest in that book go back to the story of king saul and the witch of endor i don't know if you remember this from the book of samuel but king saul consults a witch and she conjures up the spirit of the prophet samuel who then predicts king saul's death on the battlefield the next day which is what happens and so um even though you know the books are really not supernatural they they do acknowledge that even the you know the scriptures and the church um you know recognizes there is evil in the world and um you know this is i mean this is a thing that you know evil does exist um but but you're like you said the books try to Although they, you know, they skirt around some dark themes, they ultimately are, are stories that are very suitable for middle school and high school uh, kids, and they very much have a redemptive uh, theme to them, and and are, are filled with hopefully enough levity so that the darkness is never really dark. Yeah, and one thing too before we go to our sponsor break is that you are really good. I love it. So refreshing at capturing. A little bit of the mind of a child. Like, I love that, that I get to step into this world of the child, that sense of wonder and discovery. And I'll let you comment on that when we come back, Anthony, or Tony, I should say, um, because we just got to take a second here for our wonderful sponsors to have a word with us. We will be right back. Hi, I'm Walter Crawford. And I'm Maureen Whitman. We are the co-founders of homeschoolconnections.com and proud sponsors of the Homeschooling Saints podcast which is here to help you homeschool more joyfully, more easily, and more effectively. We want to thank you for listening. And we invite you to check out our courses at homeschoolconnections.com. And now back to our program. So we're back with Tony Kolink, and we're talking about the Harwood Mysteries and his new book, The Merchant's Curse. So, uh, 
Take, take us back into uh, where we were, where we were just kind of landing there, Tony. To the mind of a child, or as yeah. my wife would say, I'm a, ba- I'm a man child. No, she doesn't actually say <laughs> that. But I think she thinks that. No, um, <laughs> you know, I, I still in some ways can very much, you know, uh, remember what it's like to think like a 12-year-old boy or, or something. So, uh, yeah, I, I do try to capture that voice and... Um, you know, and not just for boys either, right? Uh, I actually have written two uh, fairly strong, significant girl characters into this. So I always like to emphasize, you know, parents and grandparents, sure, get this book for your your teenage boys, but get it for your teenage girls too. Because um, there's a little bit of a sweet romance. And actually, now that Christina's in the mix, there's a little bit of a love triangle going on here because, you know, uh, Zan had, has a crush on Lucy, um, but Lucy wants to become a nun, and we see that in book three. And now in book four, like Zan has left, and he's back in Lincoln with Christina, who's a much more worldly uh, girl, um, and 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 she's very feisty and puts him in his place a lot. So it's it was I actually think Christina might be my favorite character because she really uh, you know she really makes Zan you know, be kind of a little bit of a bumbling teenager when he's around her. And <laughs> she never seems to lack uh, for good one-liners when they're needed. Um, so there's a good balance, actually, between Lucy and Christina. Um, and uh, and I actually, I, you may know this, I don't know if you do, um, I've actually written a series of Lucy short stories that uh, that are available. One, I'm giving one of them away free on my website, but I wanted to kind of explore her character a little bit more than what they get in the series. So um, I've, I've teamed up a little bit with Catholic Team Books on that because, you know, they put out these anthologies. So, uh, you know, her, one of her short stories was in the Treasures anthology, and now Ashes is coming out in February, and uh, a new Lucy short story will be coming out in February, and then I have like a standalone short story. And I, I I hope to write probably about five Lucy short stories and then come up with like a Lucy anthology. So uh, this is definitely not just for uh, for your boy readers out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to come back to something else too, which is the storytelling. You're a good storyteller. And that's so refreshing because I, I touched on it earlier, but there's no forced Catholicism in them. There's a, it's a it's a time in the world and a place where Catholicism is a natural thing. It's really there. It's in the air that they breathe and in the way that they live and the and the way even that they ask questions. Uh, it's very beautiful and intentional on your part, but it never weighs down the story. So say a little bit about how you handle that and the kinds of lessons that emerge from this book that might be great conversations to have with our kids. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And thank you. I really appreciate it all. <laughs> this is my one wife tells me I get a big head. People like you complimenting <laughs> uh, you know, me so much. But, um, you know, the books, they take place in 12th century England. So they're, you know, a good 300 years before the Protestant Reformation. And for that reason, they really are, are Christian. And I know that the Orthodox Christians were there too, but this is Western Christianity. They are Christianity. And and frankly, I, I, I think, uh, you know, Catholic or non-Catholic, uh, you know, they they should enjoy the books. Because like you said, they're set in a historical setting. And so if you're at an abbey and around monks and nuns, you're going to be hearing about religion. You're going to be seeing prayers. You're going to be, because this is just the lifestyle. Plus, the, the other reason I really like setting it in this uh, 12th century England is because nowadays, all you see in our kids' books, especially, but everywhere now, 
is a total divorce of our faith from the rest of our lives. Like you watch TV, you would think nobody ever went to church. Nobody ever knew a priest or a pastor. Nobody ever. And if they did, it was probably because they were bad priests or pastors. Those are the ones that we see. Um, and, and it's almost as if none of us ever think of God. None of us ever pray. None of us ever struggle with faith. And that we all know, I mean, maybe that's true for some people, but, you know, the reality is that's not true for most people. And by putting it in a 12th century environment surrounded by kind of religious situations, it really brings us back to the way our lives should be. Like we should be thinking about prayer and thinking about what does God want to do in my life. And, you know, those are things that are conversations people just had and, you know, and and that doesn't mean that my characters are somehow some holier than thou characters. Lucy's pretty holy, but Zan, as you know, has plenty of struggles with his faith. Um, and and I try to write those to to have like human characters too. Like I don't want this to be sugar sweet, you know, saccharine, because that's not the reality that the the world is. It wasn't. You know, there's some harsh things in the world too, and kids have to deal with some harsh lessons too. So I kind of try to capture, you know, putting all of that into a story that is meant for teens is, is kind of tough to do. Uh, Loyola really helped with their editing to, I think, keep me on the right track. And, and I'm glad when I hear people like you uh, say that I, and maybe I, I achieved what I was hoping for, but I was, that's what I was going for. I wanted a great environment that would have great messages, but it would be organic and just fun storytelling and that kids would just enjoy the stories. And I've got uh, several kids that I know who've read it, who are not at all religious kids and still they don't seem to be put off by the religion in it at all. Cause it's just mm -hmm. part of the story. So with this sense of being welcomed into a story that anybody can access, I love that there is a curriculum companion that Loyola has for the series, which is wonderful. You want that for homeschooling families, for families that are doing book clubs or anything like that, where you really want to take people through something together. Um, but we don't want to disturb the momentum of the story or get us thinking in the wrong ways about it so that we disrupt that enjoyment for the child reading the book. Would you just say a little bit about how our homeschool families can possibly leverage, you know, all the goodies in these, the faith, the history, the geography, so many things, uh, even architecture and, and so much uh, yeah. that's in these, but without slowing the momentum of the mystery, without kind of messing with the fun. Right, exactly. And I'm so glad you brought that up. And uh, I'll tell you a secret since you just got your homeschoolers online. I wrote this book for homeschooling families. I mean, we were, we were homeschooling when we wrote, when I started writing this series. Uh, my kids are all older now, so they're, they're not, but I still write, you know, for homeschooling magazine. And, and frankly, I'd love to come talk to some homeschooling groups, just like I'd like to talk to, you know, school, uh, you know, Catholic school classrooms and that kind of thing. And I just did a webinar actually with Loyola on this. You're talking about Loyola support. We did a whole webinar with a whole bunch of uh, teachers and principals uh, you can find on Loyola's website about how do you enrich your curriculum with Catholic fiction. And I basically just 
did uh, you know, like an hour answer to your question, um, which is there's so many ways that you can take a book like this and a series like this, and especially Shadow in the Dark, which really does all the world building of of medieval England, and build it into your kids homeschool curriculum you know they learn about monasticism they learn about the feudal system they learn about you know the the church and state struggle between the king and the pope they you know learn about the crusades This is building up to the Third Crusade. 1187 is going to be the end of my book five with the fall of Jerusalem. So they learn about Saladin and they're going to hear, you know, as the series will go on, you know, they'll hear to see King Richard the Lionheart that we all hear about. There's so much you can do. And Loyola has put together these great curriculum companions. Uh, the books themselves have glossaries vocabulary. There's sections that talk about how to read historical fiction. There's discussion questions. Like Loyola really designed this so that, that it would be, you know, ready to be used by homeschooling families, by Catholic teachers, um, Christian teachers, frankly. But really, my heart was with the homeschoolers as I started writing the series. And I was thinking, as a homeschooler, what kind of book series would I want to give my kids instead of Harry Potter? So that's what I wrote, you know. So hopefully, you know, that is what it achieves. And uh, it's just a matter of getting it in the hands of, you know, the people I wrote it for. Wow. Fabulous. Fabulous. So we're so glad that our beautiful audience, which is incredibly diverse, it's in over 80 countries around the world, praise the Lord, um, that, that they really are accessing, you know, what you're what you're sharing and it's so good um tell us about the next project you said you've already got a manuscript uh, in with loyola for the next one yes, so let's so, hear a little sneak preview yes loyola is editing book five which i don't know what the title will ultimately be but it's a murder mystery in book five zan and christina return to harwood abbey where lucy is now in the nunnery so it gets really fun uh and there's a murder at the manor nearby and basically zan of course has to wind up figuring out who the the murderer is and and there's all this other stuff going on too but um and it very much picks up where book four you know book four ends um in a pretty strong way uh, especially with christina and so book five really gives uh, Christina, some more good spotlight because there's something that happens uh, in book four that that she has to kind of cope with. Um, and like I said, book six, which I haven't started writing yet, but I've started mapping out. Uh, and I think Loyola is we're on the verge of signing the contract for book six. Uh, book six is actually going to take uh, Zan closer to the Holy Land because we're just about at the Third Crusade. So we're really going to bring him out of the Abbey now. Um, and uh, and he's going to be on a ship. Let's just say he's he's leaving England uh, in book six. So I'm excited um, about the potential for that because I always knew I wanted this to be a series that would ultimately end in the Third Crusade. Um, and I've dropped hints all throughout the other books. This is coming. The Third Crusade. Jerusalem is going to fall. Things are going bad in the Holy Holy Land. You know, there's all these little hints that I've been hinting at since book one. Because um, I I knew this is the big historical event that I was you know building up to. 
Wow, that's exciting. I love your exciting excitement and your passion for history. It's just infectious, and it really does bring some of the, the energy and the, just the delight in the stories. So uh, as we're just wrapping up, Tony, anything else that's on your mind to share with the moms and dads and grandparents and guardians and people out there just listening with interest to, wow, this is a really interesting connection between our faith, our learning, our children's well-being. What would you like to leave us with as a dad, as a writer? Well, you know, I mean, honestly, we haven't mentioned uh, this yet, but along the same lines as why I wrote these books is also why I've been doing this Shepherd's Pie podcast, which you were a guest on last season. Uh, as you know, you know, we we try to focus. It's really meant for parents and grandparents and teachers, but we try to focus on issues that impact youth. And it's kind of got the same feel is this idea that, you know what, kids today, there's a lot that they're dealing with and there's enough challenges out there. So the more resources we can give them, the more books like, you know, this series and Catholic team books series and things like that, um, <clears throat> the more your life coaching, you know, that you're that we talked about, like, there's so many things out there that we really, you know, need to help them with. And there's only so much we can do as a parent, and I'm a grandparent too. Um, there's only so much we can do. So I, I feel like, you know, we need to try to use these, you know, resources and and frankly, uh, develop whatever we can to interest our kids so that they will be more responsive to, you know, things of God. And it, it's hard to find those these days. So, um, you know, that's, that's why I wrote this. And, and that's why I do some of those things that I'm doing. Mm, yeah. So check out uh, Tony's website, AntonyKolank.com. And it's Antony the way it sounds, like Mark Antony. And Kolank is K-O-L-E-N-C. So that's in the show notes. You can also find Loyola's Curriculum Companions to the Harwood Mysteries. We have the link there. We also have the link to Tony's podcast, The Shepherd's Pie. So much fun. Such a good podcast. Great conversations. And Catholic teen books as well. I also included the the first episode that we did with Tony, episode 97, which is homeschooling dad, lawyer, and mystery author. It was so much fun introducing you to our audience back then, Tony, and fantastic having you back. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're busy teaching at Ave, and you've got so many plates spinning. Really appreciate you making the time. Thank you, and thank you for doing a podcast like this. I think we this is exactly the kind of thing that homeschooling families need, so I appreciate you being there doing this. All right. Thank you. God bless you, Tony. And everybody, thanks for listening. God bless you and your day and your walk with the Lord and your walk with the children that you're blessed to care for. We will be back again next week. Join us again. And thanks for being with us at Homeschooling Saints. Bye now. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you, and thank you for joining us.